Okay, so as I mentioned, Father Mike Gately points out the importance of John 17, and we just read it. Now, what he goes on to say, and I'm going to borrow a little bit from Father Mike Gately, is he goes on to say, when you read this, it becomes clear that the Son is all about the Father. He is always thinking of the Father. The relationship, Father Mike Gately says, is one of begetting. Well, we know that. What does that mean, begetting? Begotten of the Father. What does that mean? That relationship of begetting means that the Son comes from the Father, but He's equal to the Father. It's our faith. So the Father begets the Son without holding anything back. The Son is fully equal to Him. The, the Father withheld nothing. Like sometimes you see athletes or somebody who had, like in wrestling, you know, they might have a signature move and they might teach everybody some of the core basics, but they kind of withhold back a little bit of some of their tricks or their key knowledgeable things that make them special. They don't share everything. They might share 95%, but they don't share everything. Not the Father. The Father held nothing back. That is true humility. Now the Son knows everything that He has is a gift from the Father. He says, I do what I see the Father do. The Son sees the Father and gives Himself on the cross in imitation of the Father. Jesus giving Himself, Father Mike Gately says, on the cross is Jesus imitating the Father that he saw the Father give everything of himself to the Son. And so the Son is just imitating the Father. The Son gives everything without holding back on the cross. Just like the Father didn't hold back giving everything to the Son, the Son doesn't hold back giving everything to us on the cross, just like the Father did for him. This is fascinating. Jesus had come into the world to tell men about the love of God and show it to them. That's who he was. If he had stopped short of the cross, it would have been short of that dying love that is the ultimate love and what the Father showed him. So the cross showed that there was no limit to God's ultimate love. All right, the love of the Father. That's where it all comes from. Jesus knows the Father and wants the Father's goodness to be known to everyone. So that's the purpose of the Son, is to reveal the Father to us. That's why you see in the image of divine mercy, Pope Francis said it's misericordia voltus. He named that as encyclical, which means the face of the Father's mercy. The image of divine mercy is if you could encapsulate the whole mercy of God the Father and somehow show it, you have the image of divine mercy. That's the face of the Father's mercy, is the Son. So Jesus knows this. Jesus says that we know Him, then how do we know Jesus? How do we know the Son? If we know the Father through the Son, how do we know the Son? Through the Holy Spirit. And it's because the Holy Spirit reveals the Son. He says that they may be one as we are one. This is what Jesus just prayed. We just read it. It means he wants the apostles to reflect the Trinity. 
The Trinity is not in the Bible. Father, where's that in the Bible? Father, where's purgatory in the Bible? The word Trinity isn't in the Bible. But we just got a lesson from Christ in what it is. When Jesus says, I do not pray for the world, it's not out of unconcern that the world is in need or its plight. It was because he was focusing here on his disciples. This is who Jesus is praying for. He's praying for the instrument that he was going to be creating called the church. Father, we don't need the church. Well, gee, Jesus seems to be saying, I'm setting it up that way. Who are we to tell Jesus he's wrong? Jesus says you need the church, but you say you don't? Hmm, might want to reflect on that one. This is how he will reach the world. He was praying for the church. The world does not know me, but my sheep do. That's who he's talking about. What makes our church different from any other religions, from any other faith, is that knowledge of God is Father. No other religion sees that. Jesus revealed himself as Abba, or the Father as Abba. To see Jesus is to see, as I said, what the Father is like. Jesus makes it possible for us to know God personally. That's what makes Christianity so special. God is a personal God, not this fire-breathing monster. And so the other gods, you know, uh, uh, gods of Islam and others, they're, they're, they're so transcendent and impersonal, they would never condescend to become one of us. He's not known to them. He's a figure way over and above. This is why all religions are not the same. Jesus says here that they are not of the world. I'm not of the world and either are my followers. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. And so this is like us religious. That's one of the things that we always say about ourselves. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. And then Jesus goes on to talk about consecrate. I'm going to be consecrating them in the truth. What does that mean? It means to sanctify, to set aside, to be made holy. And to sanctify them means to consecrate them for a holy purpose. This is why we do consecration. We are all consecrated by the fact that we are brought here. You've been set aside by God for him bringing you here. Now, take what we learned from the message in today's scripture and the grace from this mass and live it. That's the whole message. Live that consecration. Jesus says, I send them. That's interesting because the mission of Christ becomes the mission now of the church after his ascension. Jesus ascended to the Father. Did he just leave us alone? He says, no. I will remain with you to the end of time. Well, how is he going to do that? Through the church. His body, blood, soul, and divinity is here on the altar. I send them. That's important because the word apostle means to be sent out. And so this is what we are becoming. To be consecrated in the truth first, and then to be sent to show that truth. This is our mission. Their goal and our goal as apostles of divine mercy is to make others know God. And it could be in your words, deeds, prayers, or example that you live. 
Father, I can't go out. I'm sick. I'm quarantined. Yeah, you can pray. You can offer up your sufferings. You can join us in these live streams. Be part of our Marian family. Support us through prayer. We support you through prayer. And you become the hands and feet of Jesus through being a Marian helper, through being a Christian, through being a Catholic. This is important to know God is just not intellectual knowledge, but a personal relationship. This is where our non-Catholic brethren have it right. Do you know Jesus personally? Yeah, through the sacraments. Without Jesus, such intimacy with God is not possible. This again is why our faith is different. We must realize that that's the key to evangelization. You first have to teach people who Jesus is and why they want to follow him before we catechize and tell them how to follow him. Many of us, me included, many of you, go out and tell people how to follow Jesus. But if we don't first tell them who Jesus is and why you want to follow him, it's not going to stick. And so it is Jesus who taught us right here that God is not a remote, unapproachable, distant being but he is love, Abba, Father. So Jesus says that he doesn't pray for the world. And I thought that was interesting because he also says in scripture, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he came into it. So what gives? The world stands for this society without God. When we bring God into it, it becomes heaven on earth, not the world. Without God, it's known as the world. What Jesus does for the world is send his disciples into it so that it becomes heaven on earth. I think this is fascinating. He prays for his disciples in order that they will be made disciples, of, or make, I should say, disciples of all people to win the world for him. That's why disciples do not belong to the world because they now have a spiritual life. We do too. This isn't powerful. So, all right, to summarize, basically the flow here is from creation to a new creation. All right, the Father is the ultimate source of creation. That's why we say the first great act of mercy, creation, we normally attribute to the first person, the Trinity, the Father. But then what happened? The Son, the second person of the Trinity, gave life to all creation. How did he give life to it? He breathed the word. And that's who the son is. When the father thinks, he speaks. And when he speaks, that word is the son, the wisdom of God. And by it was created all things. That's why we say the eternal word television network. Jesus is the eternal word the father spoke. And that word that comes out is the son. But you can't speak a word without the power of a breath. That breath, that power is the Holy Spirit. So think of yourself as a mini trinity. If you're like God the father, you think then when you speak, the word comes out as part of you. Your words are part of you. And that word is powered by breath. That's the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to preach, to teach, to live, to love. This is what it's all about. He gives us eternal life to those within creation given to him by his Father. All right, so the Father gives all to the Son. Now the Son gives all he has 
to give us life. The son gives them now life. We got broken. The son redeemed us. Now the son takes us back to God the father from whence we came. We are redeemed. This, as you've heard me all say before, happens at the mass. All right, so I want to finish by talking a little bit more about the Trinity, because remember, we're getting ready for this at Pentecost Sunday. I'll be here to celebrate the Mass with you on Sunday. We're going to talk about the meaning of the Holy Spirit. But I can say this for right now. We want to go back to the word begotten, as Father Mike always talks about. What does that mean, begotten, beget of the Father, begetting? All right, God the Father, as I said, is called the first person of the Trinity. Why? Is it because he's older or he's greater or he came first? No. All three members of the Trinity existed at the same time for all eternity. It's not because he's greater or he's older than the other two persons, but because he is unbegotten. He came from no one. The unbegotten is the Father. The begotten is the Son, meaning he comes from the Father. So the second person of the Trinity is called the Son because he's the only begotten of the Father. He proceeds, which means he comes from the Father, not created, but he comes forth. And he's called that divine word, as I said, the wisdom of the Father. Now the third person of the Trinity is called the Holy Spirit. Because from all eternity, he is breathed forth. That's why Jesus in the upper room breathed on the apostles. Only two times in history has God breathed on mankind. One was to give him life, Adam and Eve. And two, Jesus in the upper room to bring a new creation that he just redeemed. And he breathes new life into them. He's redoing a redeeming the brokenness of man. And so this Holy Spirit is breathed forth by the Father and the Son. So the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, who is adored and glorified. This is what we say in the Creed. He is called the love between the Father and the Son. That's who the Holy Spirit is. You have the Father, you have the Son, and the love between them is so great that from it comes a third person, the Holy Spirit. See, we in the West believe that the Holy Spirit comes from both the Father and the Son. He proceeds from the Father and Son, like a child does a father and a mother, husband and a wife. From it proceeds the child. In the East... One of the reasons for the schism, people always ask, Father, why, what is this Orthodox church? Well, they believe there's something called the Filioque that we have and that we believe different than the East. We believe that the Holy Spirit came from both the Father and the Son. They believe that the Son came from the Father and then the Holy Spirit came from the Son. Little different. So I finish with this. Here's what our faith teaches. The three persons are one God Yet they are distinct, for the Father has no origin. He came from no one. But the Son is begotten, which means he comes from the Father alone. Okay, so you have the Father, then from him alone comes the Son. Then the Holy Spirit comes from or proceeds from both the Father and the Son. 
These different relations of origin tell us that there are three distinct persons, but they have one nature. They are one. It's beautiful. So this filioque, eh, it's important, but let's not let it change our faith. While distinct in their relations from one another, the Father is distinct from the Son, distinct from the Holy Spirit. They are all one in everything else. They are composite unity, like two persons becoming one flesh in the renewal of the marital act. Are they two or are they one? In the marital act, when the husband and the wife are renewing the marital act, are they two persons or one? They're two distinct persons, but they become one flesh. That's a mini example of the love of the Trinity. And from it comes a third person, the two that came together. And from it comes a third person, the child. It's an example of the mirror of the Trinity. This is what our faith teaches. This is Catholicism. This is why we're Catholic, because that is the message of God. That's the mystery of the Trinity. You know, I always think of one thing I say to my catechism class, and I'll probably leave it with that. One of the things they seem to understand when I explain the Trinity is it's like the sun. When you see the sun, you have the sun itself, S-U-N now, the light and the heat. What came first? Well, they're all together, Father, exactly. It all exists at the same time. But are they separate? Yeah. The light is different from the material, different from the heat. But yet, they don't exist without each other. The sun without the material of the burning and the, and the atoms and, and uh, the gases doesn't produce heat or light. And without the light, there's no heat. Without heat, there's no sun. It's all related. It all is together yet distinct. That's how God is. And I think that's a great example because he warms our hearts and gives us the light by which to follow the path of truth. And without the sun, we don't exist, S-U-N. And without the sun, S-O-N, we definitely don't exist because we have no life, no eternal life. So with that, praise be to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily 
for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.